What's up, mom and dad? Welcome back to the Raising Competitors podcast. My name is Jake Thompson. I'm the founder at Compete Every Day and a professional speaker who works with organizations, teams at college down to the high school level on ways to compete every day. How do we build our grit, our mental toughness, our focus, and most importantly, our influence as leaders on our campus, in our organizations, and out in life. I'm excited you are here for episode three of season two at the Raising Competitors podcast, the show for youth sports parents. So where we talk about ways that you can invest in your young competitor to help them win their work, their workouts, and their life. Today's guest is an incredibly successful Texas high school basketball coach, Colby Davis. Colby and I had the opportunity to connect uh, here locally in the Dallas-Fort Worth area uh, about a year ago. I had the opportunity to spend time with her team this offseason, speaking to them about the importance of competing, of outworking your talent uh, and achieving success. They experienced incredible heartbreak last season, losing a close game to the eventual state champ but returned with a vengeance this season as they feature two highly recruited Division I athletes in a well-rounded team with their eyes solely on a state championship. Colby and I discussed the growing space of basketball and how all of the outside influences from strength coach to AAU coaches to high school coaches to parents can work together effectively to create the best outcome and atmosphere for these young athletes. We talk about how they create a culture of competition and how they encourage athletes that maybe don't win those competitions all the time. How do they keep them engaged and constantly striving for more? as well as that athlete that wins every time. How are you investing in them? How are you able to keep them hungry and humble for more, even though they're used to being kind of that top dog? So we get into a lot of those conversations around coaching high school athletes, dealing with high school athletes, and ways that you as a parent can support not only your current athletes' coaches that help your athletes be set up for success in sports, in life, but the different things Colby and her team are doing to work with parents together so that that student athlete is set up for success in school, in sports, and in life. I think you're going to enjoy this conversation with Colby, and I'm excited to welcome to the show head women's basketball coach of the Colony High School here in Texas, Coach Colby Davis. Coach Colby, how are you this morning? Good. How are you, Jay? Good. I'm excited to have you on the show after, you know, we've gotten to know each other the last year or so, and I've had the opportunity to come speak to your team, uh, which is an exciting team. And and I love getting to follow them along here locally as well, because you have some incredibly talented players on and off the court. And so before we we dive into coaching and philosophy and culture, I, I would love for you just to kind of give us a quick backstory of your coaching career. Um, and maybe what led you into coaching basketball to begin with? Okay. Um, well, I kind of first got started. I have a little bit of an interesting story. Um, you know, my very first coaching job was in Knox City, Texas, which is a now it's a six man uh, school. So the the old adage just started from the bottom and now we're here. <laughs> that is that is basically my career in a nutshell. Um, you know, I was there two years. Um, after that, I got a better opportunity in Archer City. Um, I worked there for two years, and then I got a better opportunity um, in Bowie, Texas, and I was there for seven years. Um, that's where I spent, obviously, the majority of my career there. And then 
um, which that led me to an opportunity to be the assistant athletic coordinator and head girls basketball coach here at the Colony. And um, I am completing my fourth year here. So um, every, every stop has been a step up the ladder for me. And, you know, I kind of, I played college basketball and, uh, you know, I, when I first, you know, was in college, you know, I wanted to be maybe a physical therapist or, you know, maybe an athletic trainer. And uh, one day my college coach pulled me aside and he said, you know, he said, I got a question for you. And I was like, all right, Coach Scott. I said, what's that? And he goes, so you want, maybe want to be an athletic trainer. He said, are you going to be able to sit on the bench at the end of the bench and watch a coach out there making the wrong decisions and not be able to say something? <laughs> I said, wait a second, you know, maybe we need to rethink this career path. <laughs> so uh, that kind of led me into coaching. And, uh, you know, I've always had a passion for helping kids and a passion for basketball for sure. Um, but, you know, that got me going in the right direction. And, you know, when I first got into my job at Knox City, and, uh, you know, it's – I love the beginnings and where I came from because, you know, when you start in a small school like that, you know, you have to coach everything. Yeah. Um, you know, you don't get to coach your favorite – you don't get to coach your favorite sport and uh, teach PE. That's not how it works. <laughs> so, um, you know, I coach volleyball, tennis, track, cross country, you name it. Uh, but, you know, honestly, that has helped me – get to where I am today in a sense of, you know, being assistant athletic coordinator over other sports, you know, not that I have, have the knowledge that our other head coaches have in those respective sports, but I've, I've been involved with it a little bit. And, you know, I'm able to, to help and relate to the struggle sometimes that they go through because I, I actually coached it at one point. So um, really thankful for my journey and, and wouldn't, wouldn't change a bit. Well, and, and I'm curious about that journey because I, growing up in a small town, I, I feel like it's a very, and maybe things have changed, but I feel like it's a very different experience sometimes than uh, growing up in, in larger cities or more toward the Metroplex because, it, because when you're in a small town, you know everybody. Uh, you also play every sport all year round because that's all there is uh -huh. to do. Like it's 30, 45 minutes to the next town. Right. You're not doing travel squads or, or anything like that. You're just playing. And I'm curious because of live, uh, living in the Metroplex, there's tons of tournaments in AAU and especially in the basketball space, right. which AAU is a whole other animal. I'm curious from your coaching profession, from what you've seen in that, in that period, would that be an accurate statement that, that small towns tend to play everything a little more year round in the, the larger city you go? Obviously there's more prime prospects in, in the Metroplex, but it seems to be more pressure on the specialization. You know, you, you're a hundred percent correct. And, you know, it's 2020 and it is the year of the, you know, specialization, you know, we're moving away from the multi-sport athlete. Uh, you know, when I, when I first started coaching, you know, Knox city which is around where I'm from, which is West Texas, you know, you did everything. Um, you know, I even know even prior to me coaching growing up, you know, we, you ran across the country, you played basketball and then you ran track. I mean, that's yep. just what you did. Um, you know, and, and I hate that. And I, and I think it is more, metroplex area you know in certain areas just for the availability of like you said you know you can go play a basketball tournament every weekend yeah. um, you know when I was when I was growing up and even my first few coaching jobs you know where we were located we didn't have that um, you know so you went from one sport to the next um, so yeah I, I think definitely you know times have, have changed in, in regards to you know how we coach our athletes in regards to you know you know, everybody wants to say, oh, coaches just want them to play their sport, in which that's, you know, that's not necessarily the case. You know, we encourage multi-sport athletes here at the Colony, but, uh, you know, you've got kids that we've been blessed to have 
some great athletes. You know, we've been blessed to have kids that, you know, you're going to be watching play on ESPN and, you know, they're after a college scholarship and, and that's what they're about. And so there's, you know, there's other people in their ears. They have, you know, they have strength coaches, they have skill coaches, you know, they have AAU coaches and then they have their high school coach and, you know, everybody's trying to help them reach that goal. And unfortunately it has driven people more to, if I'm going to be a good basketball player, I have to play basketball 12, 12 months out of the year. Yeah, I'm curious about that because you have, especially this season, you have some very high-profile recruits. Uh, and, and so how do you as a coach help the parents uh, work together with everyone mm -hmm. so essentially everyone's on the same page to help the athlete with that goal? When you do have that case of, like, this is an individual that's going to be uh, playing at the next level, high at the next level. How do we make sure we all work together mm -hmm. so the parents don't have one agenda versus the coaches versus the strength coach? And, and obviously that's to the detriment of the athlete. You know, honestly, it comes down to me to communication. Um, you know, that's just huge. Um, I actually read a quote this morning that said, where there's avoiding communication, negative, negativity fills it. And I think that just speaks volumes, you know, because we're all we're all on the same page wanting to get those kids to the next level. But, you know, there is such a thing as doing too much, um, you know, and if we're listening to our kids bodies and, you know, if, if I know that, you know, they're doing a weight workout at five in the morning and, you know, that's the day we're lifting weights, you know, we, we've got to adjust, maybe focus on more some you know, preventative knee stuff, maybe some more core stuff. Uh, but, you know, it, it is definitely a group effort, um, you know, and everybody has to be on the same page and to not be doing the same things. Uh, you know, everybody laughs about the, you know, load management. You know, we, we laugh and joke about it too, but it's a real thing. Um, you know, these kids can't be going to three and four practices a day. And then, you know, tomorrow night at six o'clock when that ball throws up, goes gets tossed up I need them to be ready to go and you know if we've if they've had four practices the day before normally you're you're being counterproductive and not getting the results that you want um, so to me communication is huge um, you know we're all in it for the kids and you know I can tell you since I've been here I've really had to change my coaching style um, you know there's things five years ago that I never thought I'd be doing right now but um, you know I think if you've got to stay up with the times and you know you've got to you've got to adjust um, with everybody else and uh, so you know that that's important uh, the one thing I appreciate about that comment is the fact that it's very easy and, and not just coaches, but anyone to get stuck in that routine of, of doing it the way it's always been done versus trying yes. to adapt, trying to continually learn and figure out ways that you can mm -hmm. improve how you show up for your athletes um, and, and help them in that regard. So one of the other areas I want to chat about is, so we have the high profile athletes. We have the ones that, that will absolutely uh -huh. play at the next level. And then we have the rest of us, uh, those of us that, that won't play at the, that higher level, the that never have a shot at going pro. Uh -huh. uh, but many times have the ability to greatly impact a season, to be great teammates, to, to help um, and play well at that level. I'm curious how, uh -huh. as a coach, you – I guess, determine how your athletes best respond to uh, challenges. And, and I'll preface this in the setback of, of, from a parenting standpoint, communication, as you mentioned, is, is key and understanding how to communicate with that athlete, where, where to push, where to pull, how to, how to get them to, to move yeah. on the right path. And I know my coaches growing up, they knew for me it was competition. Like you need to issue a challenge or a threat. Yeah. 
to get me to respond. Yeah. Whereas other guys did not respond well that way. And so I'm curious how you go about yeah. learning their communication styles and then balancing from a management standpoint, coaching standpoint, all of those different management or all of those different communication styles. You know, I think it's important and just kind of a, a look back to how we, we organize things as a program and, you know, how we get prepared, you know, to make, make playoff runs, you know, cause I'll be honest, you know, when we're, we've got a group in in August and, you know, we're getting ready and we're trying to, you know, figure out, you know, this is the personnel we have this year. You know, what, what do we need to do offensively? What do we need to do defensively to beat the best teams in this region? You know, because if what we're doing isn't going to put us in position to make a playoff run or isn't going to put us in a position to, you know, get to the state tournament, why are we doing it? Yeah. Um, you know, and I, I think what you said, you know, just breeding competition, you know, from, from day one in practice, you know, I would say 85% of our drills are – competition oriented there's a winner and a loser every time um and you know that that builds those kids competing every day um you know and it but it also the way that we schedule uh you know we schedule the absolute toughest opponents that we can find I mean like right now our record is like 14 and 9 14 and 10 which you know outside looking in it's like oh my gosh they've lost 10 basketball games well look who we played yeah. you know and that that's my mindset every single year I don't care if we lose I don't care if we lose in the preseason if, you know if we're learning from it and it's making us better to make a postseason run that record doesn't matter uh, you know and there's times where you're in the middle of it and you're like what are we doing <laughs> you know and it's like you've got to uh, just trust the process and the fact that it's getting our kids prepared for January and February, because that that's the mindset that we have from the beginning. Um, you know, we've been blessed with, you know, my first year here, you know, we had Jade Williams that's playing for Duke right now. Um, you know, she's starting in the ACC and then we've got Jules Spear that you'll see playing at Wake Forest next year. And Tamia Jones is playing at SMU. But the three things, the things that are in common with all three of those players is they're great players, but they're great leaders and they're great kids. And, you know, there's times where, you know, we had an extremely young team this year. And, uh, you know, we knew that it was going to take maybe to January and February till we figured some things out. And, uh, you know, we talked a lot about trusting in the process and being patient with those kids, and, you know, in, in high school athletics and especially in Texas, there is no patience, <laughs> you know, yeah. you better be winning and you better be winning now. Um, so, you know, just for those kids to be great leaders, um, you know, our, our younger kids, even our younger ones on varsity, you know, they're blessed to get to practice with those two every day. And, you know, they're getting to see what a D1 athlete looks like every day. And they do such a great job of coaching those kids on the floor. I mean, there's plenty of times when, when we're doing stuff, even this morning in practice, that I can take a step back and, and they're coaching their teammates. Um, you know, but I think also as a coach, you have to be able to do that. And, you know, you've got to trust that those kids are saying the right things and they're doing it in the right manner. And, uh, you know, it's just a testament to who they are as people, too. How do you uh, – so on those players in that competition, I love the idea uh -huh. of challenging, especially preseason. Put them in uncomfortable situations. Put mm -hmm. them in facing that adversity right. so that when you get into the playoffs, you get into these crunch time games that actually do matter for the tournament mm -hmm. or state championship. You're, you've been there. You've been there time and time again, like you know how to respond, which is why in sports right. a lot of times you see younger teams bow out quickly in the playoffs. And, and most analysts, right. are like they need a year or two to understand playoff basketball mm -hmm. and the pressures and, and get accustomed mm -hmm. to it. How do, you, how do you encourage those athletes or those individuals that maybe sometimes struggle with the pressures, especially in that first time 
getting into some of those situations. And a lot of that leads back to a fixed mindset where you're, you're worried about the challenge. You're worried about how that looks from a self-worth and identity and all that. Right. How do you help those athletes start to embrace that competition, even if it's a higher level, someone that can defeat them? You know, we, we talk a lot about, you know, achieving individual goals. Um, you know, our team, when we go into a basketball game, we have specific goals that we want to meet each quarter. Um, you know, so for the first quarter, this is our goal. We want to score this many points. We want to limit a team to this many points. And so I think you really try to, to put a focus on small victories. Um, and, and the fact that, you know, those small victories build up over time. Um, you know, and I, so I think, you know, I always tell our kids, you know, you're, you go into a game and you're nervous. Well, your, your confidence comes through your preparation. Um, you yeah. know, we're going to make sure that we put, put our kids in pressure situations every day in practice. You know, we go through, you know, game situations. Hey, there's 10 seconds on the clock. We're down two. We got a baseline inbounds. You know, we've got it. We've got a score right here and then we got to get a stop. Um, you know, so we try to put those younger kids who maybe haven't played as much basketball into those situations, you know, multiple days in practice. So they're prepared for the moment. Uh, but, you know, and once you, you go through that and you experience small victories, because I'm going to tell you right now, in our preseason, there wasn't a lot of victories. There wasn't <laughs> small ones or big ones, any of it. Um, you know, so we were still trying to grow in the process. You know, it's like I told the kids one day, we were in a little, we were in going through a rough patch. Um, you know, we had played our fourth 6A in a row three out of the four had been ranked uh we were just beat down you know and it was it was causing us as a coaching staff to for lack of a better term panic um and think oh my gosh you know what if this happens we got to do this we got to make adjustments we got to put this on we got to do something different and you know I had a meeting with my coaches you know right after that and I said guys you know what I said I'm glad we're panicking right panicking right now and they look at me like I'm crazy I'm like what are you talking about I was like because we're panicking at the beginning of December, we're not going to be panicking in January and February. And um, so, you know, I, I think that it helped us. It was terrible and we hated it. And, you know, there was a rough patch for us, but we're better for it. Um, and like I said, you know, we try to prepare those younger kids as much as possible, and even in our old ones, putting them in situations every day. Um, and, you know, allowing those role player kids to focus on what they can control. Um, you know, your job right now is to go in and uh, – get defensive stops. That's all you got to worry about. Don't worry about scoring points. Don't worry about that. Get a stop, box out, and rebound. And you'll find enough kids that, that they've got something that they can bring to the table. And, you know, everybody has to take responsibility for winning. Um, everybody does. It's not just our two D1 kids. You know, all of you have to take responsibility for doing something to help this team wins. Maybe that means you're a cheerleader on the bench. Um, but, you know, maybe that means you're in there to – you know, get a key defensive stop, but, uh, you know, everybody can do something to help us achieve what we want to achieve. I, I love that. And, and it ties into some of the conversations we've had here on the show about, um, the workaround of growth mindset, fixed mindset and, and praise, especially uh -huh. early on in youth sports about praising the hustle, the leadership, the teammate working with uh -huh. the coach versus the buckets and the points. Uh, because right. you want that idea to stick. And what you've just reiterated is is everyone can own something on that role. And so uh, praising that individual that's willing to set the tough screens mm -hmm. and take the charges and, hey, we need these right. defensive stops versus the buckets that everybody kind of pays attention to on, on the high level that isn't watching right. the game that closely. And so that's always a, a crucial part uh, of any athlete's development is making sure, one – they know what they they own and how they can own that role and, and take pride in that. And right. I feel like you see that in successful sure. programs 
you know, half the audience is about to tune out because they hate uh, Duke and Coach K as North Carolina fans or Kentucky fans, and half are going to love it. But <laughs> yeah. I've always been fascinated by Coach K because he has the Army type mentality that we play defense, right. we take charges, especially in the early mm-hmm. and late 90s uh, and early 2000s. That was kind of their their go-to it wasn't necessarily the battiers and brands it was the wojanowski small guys that took the charges and and played off the ball that people loved for that reason um and so it's encouraging to hear that and so when this and this may or may not be something you want to chat about but how how do you handle some of those athletes expectations if, if they are someone that man they want to be a better scorer. And so you want to help them improve that area, but you also know these are their strengths. How can we encourage them to do really well at these strengths? You know, one thing that we've used in the past is, you know, we've used a thing that's it's called a hustle chart. Um, and, you know, it, it charts basically everything but making baskets. Um, you know, it's like you said, it's you get points for taking charges. You know, you get points for deflections. Um, you get points for diving on the floor after a loose ball. Um, you know, so at the end of the game, you can total all those things up. And, you know, in the past, we've had an assistant coach do that. And, you know, we, I'm telling you, man, when those things happen and we have a kid that comes up and, you know, they, they've won on the hustle chart, man, we celebrate them like they average 30 a game. Um, you know, and you, you've got to place importance on that. And you've got to make that a high priority. Um, you know, and you, we, we do, you know, and I know you've seen teams play and you, you see our kids do it all the time. You know, when you make a basket, you have to acknowledge your passer both physically and verbally. Um, and you, see, you will see our kids point to each other on the floor and, and they understand that I didn't make this basket by myself. I got a great pass or like you reiterated a while ago, you know, somebody, somebody said a great stream. And so, you know, we try to really look – when we look at film, we really point out opportunities. And that's my favorite thing in the world when one of our kids hits a shot and I see them running down the floor pointing at their teammate. Um, so I, I just think it's where you place your importance. You know, what do you what, what's important to you in your program? What do you want to build? And a lot of times people think it's such a big picture. A big picture and honestly, it comes down to – really tiny simple things that are all within your control I can always set a good screen and every time um you know nobody's gonna you know keep me from doing that um you know what I guess what did Dabo Sweeney say after Ohio the Ohio State game he said they can prepare for who or what we do but they can't prepare for who we are um and and I think that that speaks to your culture right there and the things that you think are important and things that you celebrate and preach every day and and on that same note from building that culture aspect, you obviously jumped into the program. And and so the buy-in when building the culture that you want has to come not only athletic director, Mm -hmm. parents, players, everything like that. Oh yeah. How would, how do you tend to start that process? Is it always based on here's what we expect from our standards or or what do you do to kind of lay that groundwork for that? So that the parents have bought in, the players have bought in, and you're able to build that trust with the individuals. Well, I think it goes back to like we touched on a little bit earlier is communication. You know, every every year that we come in, you know, we have a parent meeting and we clearly lay out the expectations and 
um, you know, make them understand what our expectations are for them as parents. And, you know, you also have to realize too, that your, your parents are a huge part of your process. Um, you know, if you've got parents that aren't supporting what you're trying to do, or, you know, you're getting cussed at the dinner table every night, it shows up in their kid. Um, but I think if you consistently communicate on what you want to do and what you're trying to achieve, um, you know, that helps so much. I mean, I had an example, I had a freshman one year on varsity and, you know, we, we ended up putting our on varsity and I, I had a meeting with the parents before the season even started. And I said, look, I said, you know, I'm, I'm hundred percent feel like if we're going to have freshmen on varsity, they need to play and they need to play a lot. And I said, you know, my, my goal is to play her as much as possible. I said, but I'm going to tell you right now, if at any point, I feel like I cannot get her minutes and she is sitting too much. I'm going to move her back down. And I think that communication piece is just huge. And, you know, we, we dodged a big bullet with that, you know, from the beginning. And, um, you know, those parents understood the expectations and, you know, we had a situation where we almost moved her back down, but we didn't, but we had full support of the parents in that situation too. But that started with one, you know, one little five minute phone call. Um, you know, in coaching, sometimes I think, you know, everything sometimes is you keep it close to your chest and everything's a secret, but you know, you got to let these people know what your end goal is. And, um, you know, you've got to communicate what, what your plan is for your kids and especially these parents that have high expectations, you know, they need to understand what their strengths and weaknesses are and, and, you know, where you are, where you're looking at moving forward and where you see that kid in the program. I, I really appreciate that and, and like that because it's, it's something that not always is the case. Everyone's got an agenda, right? And so it, it's encouraging right. to hear the coaches like sure. that. And I imagine it's a message I'll preach at uh, the Texas uh, High School Girls Coaches Association as well. And so you're, uh -huh. you're heavily involved in the right. state association. Um, and so what are some of the things uh -huh. that y'all are really focused on this year in terms of improving within girls sports uh, at the high school level, as well as what are your current challenges that y'all are seeing kind of across the board? You know, I, I think what's neat and what I've really valued is, um, you know, being on the board of directors and, you know, I've started out on a sport committee and then I was over a region and, you know, now I'm in the, the vice president spot. And I think what's neat for me is, you know, you, you obviously we're all in this for coaching kids. Yeah. Um, but, you know, the main goal to me and the main thing behind the TGCA is educating coaches, um, you know, and putting them in positions to coach the kids that you want to reach. And I think that's what's been neat for me is because, you know, throughout the course of the year, our, our focus is directly on the kid. Um, but, you know, through, through different satellite clinics and summer clinics and, um, you know, bringing in speakers and, and different and, and educating coaches, you know, you're getting able to educate the people that are going to be educating kids. So it's kind of, it flips the switch a little bit, um, you know, and we did last summer, we spoke to a group of brand, brand new first year teachers, teachers and coaches. And um, it was just a Q and A and it was just like some, some advice on, you know, what are some of your advice for first year coaches and stuff like that. And um, just being able to give them that knowledge to, to be able to go, go out and impact more kids. Um, you know, we're, we're looking more at bringing in and, you know, hopefully you'll come speak for us this summer, but looking at bringing in more, people speaking on leadership and, and character development and, you know, bringing in some, some strength and conditioning people that are focusing on how to train, you know, the athletes today and, and even the sport specific athletes. And, um, you know, I think it, like I said, it's just from an educational standpoint and, and giving people the knowledge they, they need to go be successful. I love that. I love that. Colby, this has been fantastic. I appreciate you hanging out on the show this week. Uh, for those that want to follow your team and the success that is building this season, 
Uh, where is the best place that we can follow along the basketball team online? You can follow us on Twitter. Uh, my Twitter account is at Coach Davis 10, and our basketball account is at the Colony BB uh, for basketball. So we will keep you guys updated on scores. And, uh, you know, we're getting into the second half of district, and the playoffs are coming up. So it's a fun time of year, and we're excited. So y'all come check us out. Awesome. Thanks, Coach. We appreciate it. Thanks, Mom and Dad, for tuning in to another episode of the Raising Competitors podcast. As always, to get connected and learn more, check out RaisingCompetitors.com. And be sure to support the show by checking out CompeteEveryday.com. You can find some motivational apparel for yourself, for your kids, great podcasts, and other programs that we offer at Compete Every Day. Until then, keep instilling in your kids the importance of competing every day and setting them up for success in school, in sports, and in life. This is the Raising Competitors podcast.